0: Hi, Alison Hornery here talking with Keith MacDonald as part of the Accelerating Open Canada program. Keith is the Open Data Lead at the City of Toronto. Welcome, Keith. Hiya. So to kick off, can you give us a bit of a snapshot of the Open Data journey for the City of Toronto so far?
1: Sure. I I guess it goes back to 2009 in uh, spring, April, in fact, when our then-mayor, Mayor Mayor David Miller, was at a MESH conference, which is an annual event, very well attended, made the announcement as part of his uh, keynote that the City of Toronto would start releasing data in the fall, and I'm doing quotes right now, in the fall 2009. So our ears did perk up, to say the least, and... um, as we think about it, though, it, it, it probably wasn't that big a surprise now because we had an event that we put on. This is the city IT department called the Web 2.0 Conference, of which Mayor Miller was at. And a fellow by the name of Mark Sermon attended that, and he did a keynote at that event, and he was talking about uh, creating a city that moves and acts like the web. And among his uh, thoughts were that we should start releasing data. So Mayor Miller was in the audience, as was his assistant, and I believe they were tweeting or messaging back and forth, and at the end of that, as uh, Mayor Miller was thanking Mark Sermon, he said, you know, I don't think this is a bad idea at all. Maybe we should think of it. So we fast-forward to April 2009, and here comes the announcement. So... Um, When we started connecting those dots, we realized where the mayor was coming from, and um, we dug in. We met up with our city clerk's office, combined forces, if you like, and started investigating what other cities were doing, and we did, in fact, make the fall deadline. It was November. Uh, When we launched, and we actually launched at another event, it was an IT showcase. So it was kind of top and tailed, if you like, uh, between the event in November 2008, Mayor Miller in April 2009, and our IT showcase in November 2009. So let's say approximately a year of probably uh, the baby giving, giving birth in that November in 2009, and off we went.
0: So I'm really interested to, to tease out a couple of things there. You mentioned this, this quote, which I've, I've heard you talk about before, this idea of um, being, being a city that's like the web. Can you explain a little bit more why you think that captured the, the mayor and, and probably other people's attention and, and how that under, underpins the, you know, the work that you do?
1: Yeah, I think if you think of the web, the fact that it's accessible, it gives you immense variety, it's engaging, it's participatory. All of those things really kind of dovetail quite nicely if you think of how open data can work. Because you're presenting basically the, the collections that you're making in a city on a routine basis, and you're literally opening it up for the public to use. And how can they use it? Well, they can sort of develop apps certainly, but even beyond apps, they can start learning about the, the health of the city, they can start engaging in their government, so if they come to depose as it's called before council, um, perhaps they'll be using the same kind of data that the city is actually using. So now think about stronger informed decision making, not only by city council, but by the citizens that are actually lobbying and advocating for certain developments in the community. So that kind of agility, the, the, the sort of instantaneous, if you like, the digital, the virtual, all of that Wrong true, I think, in our i t ears, and um, uh, we, we could certainly see how, how open data could really contribute to that, and uh, we'll talk about open government, I think a little later, but you can see how again open data can lead to an open government, the basics, the transparent, the accountable, um, and also i add accessible and engagement
0: mm. and Around the involvement of the mayor, I mean, obviously making an announcement that this is going to happen um, provides a certain amount of uh, momentum and mobilisation, but we've heard from other cities that we've spoken to that the role of the mayor and the mayor's office is often pivotal in helping to not just escalate activity, but to help... Uh, spread the, the word and build engagement inside the organisation that this is an okay thing and this is something that should be supported. Was, was that your experience? Was the role of the Mayor's office um, an important part of you being able to, to really make this part of the whole city activity?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Canada is a bit different than the United States. I don't know how it compares to Australia in terms of the the authority and the power of the mayor. In the United States, for example, the mayor's office is extremely powerful, whereas in Canada, the mayor really has one vote on our city council. Mm. So in the case of Toronto, we have 44 votes. The mayor is one of those votes. So it's a little different than what could happen in the states, but I think our situation that happened in 2009 does illustrate that that doesn't negate Uh, the visionary or or the you know the authority in that sense right Uh, and that's what I think we saw from Mayor Miller he basically started uh, advocating this is a good thing and and he was able to um, direct at least the start of releasing data um, simply by just you know adopting the fact that he's out speaking at these events and I think uh, we've seen we've seen two approaches really in Canada Uh, the other approach really is to go through council and I believe Vancouver went that way uh, so both have been, I think, equally successful, uh, and both required a certain amount of uh, "let's get this together and make it happen." In Toronto's case, I think we could point to the Mesh Conference, though, as actually defining it and and being having it quoted and put out there for real with a deadline. Mm. Um, and, and certainly uh, my experience working inside the city is that that's how things can happen. Uh, city manager can do that kind of thing. The city clerk can do that kind of thing. Certainly the mayor can do that kind of thing. And to some degree, even the councilors can, can do that kind of thing. So by them talking about uh, what they'd like to see happen, it can inspire actual events. And open data is a perfect, perfect example of that.
0: So one of the areas that we talk about quite a bit are the conditions that allow innovative public programs and and open data initiatives, I think, fit that bill. What allow these programs to flourish? So from your experience uh, and your perspective, what are the ideal conditions? So that might be legislative conditions, policy, um, permission from leadership, engagement with the community. What kind of conditions allow an open data program to flourish in a city like Toronto?
1: I think all, all of what you said are, are necessary. We, we're actually making an equation, I think, between what happened with the smoking bylaws. Um, let's say, I guess around early 2000s, uh, there were still places that you could smoke in restaurants and uh, smoking was a lot more prevalent and and uh, now today 2014 that just isn't the case you, you can almost not smoke anywhere uh, so whether you smoke or you don't smoke I think the fact is it's proof of an evolution of thinking through public health messaging that kind of stuff so open data very I feel is very similar in the sense that back in the early days 2009 you um, Uh, there was a lot of concerns about, well, what happens if we do this? What happens if we release this? And so our conversations were really looking at, well, what would the impacts be with privacy and how do we resolve those? What would the impacts be if someone develops an application and it says something? What if it was good news as opposed to bad news? Why are we defaulting to the bad news? So those were the early conversations. Um, And then we sort of fast forward a couple years later and those conversations are over. And now we start talking again about what data is starting to show people and some of the value. In other words, it's picking up some traction and uh, we could see that some of the entrepreneurs were now talking about the economic value of open data and what it means to them is in fact startups and businesses whole new part to the conversation then we've seen the the non-techie non-developer people sort of weighing in and saying you know this is really kind of interesting stuff but i'm not really able to do anything with those files what can you do for me Um, And that leads us into the whole visualization arguments and and some of the tools, dashboards, that kind of stuff that might bring them into the conversation. And what we've seen really is is a widening, if you like, a very small demographic to begin with, very technical, moving toward a more sophisticated, um, almost the advocates, the community developers who are used to organizing and, and, and used to making Uh, persuasive arguments, if you like, and then into those more casual kind of people who who may in fact want to get engaged, but have never had a vehicle where they could get engaged. Um, So all of those things, I think, have been uh, started and, and have been an outcome from that basic first step, which is, hey, you know what? We, we can't see anything happening if we don't release data, so let's get started. And uh, I would say five years in, we, we've just seen a, a tremendous spike or advancement, I think, with that initial aim of the idea of engaging citizens in their governments. So the numbers aren't like overwhelming yet, but definitely they're higher in terms of our mail, the conversations that we're having with citizens at events, there's a lot more events here locally in Toronto and across the province for sure. And as we're seeing with Richard's tour, in fact, quite a bit of bubbling up of interest all across Canada. And and as we're figuring out here uh, with Australia and various other places. So it's really quite an amazing movement. And I think the timing was right in the late 2000s for for that next step, um, whether it be people's cynicism with government, um I'm not really sure exactly what it was, but it was interesting that, uh, you know, we weren't alone by any means. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe it had something to do with Obama's Yes We Can and the election around that time period, because he was an early adopter of all kinds of things, from social media to um, making commitments. If elected, he would open up information in the government, and um, that certainly did happen. So, you know, it's hard to pinpoint it exactly, but I think um, whatever it was at that time period, it enabled the conversation to start to happen. And those cities that started it realized, again, there was no disaster that happened to them. Like, hell didn't freeze over. Um, There wasn't major breaches and, you know, all hands on deck. Let's resolve this. How could you have released the data? Um, It seemingly was all good news stories. And uh, those good news stories led to other good news stories, which led to – You know, increased apps starting to leverage the data, and uh, the more apps and so on that we saw developed sort of early in, it was the old adage from the movie, was it Field of Dreams about if you build it, they will come? Uh, The early demands, for example, were on our transportation, TTC, which is our local um, transit, Uh, and it took a while to get that data out. But once it got out, within days, uh, we started to see apps being made available where people could now find when their streetcars were coming. And I'm not sure if the situation is the same in Australia, but you've got the subway or uh, streetcar bus stops. And on the stops, they had the little uh, sort of sheets that gave the timelines. You know, every 10 minutes or so, the bus comes. But how accurate are those? not <laughs> so, <laughs> you could be waiting 30 40 minutes you just have no idea what's going on was there an accident or whatever mm-hmm. so with the real-time uh data feeds from our transit uh to the app developers to their apps downloadable and in some cases free or if you wanted an advanced version you could pay for them uh, but more than one choice now you can actually stand at your your bus stop and, and get a read of is this bus coming or is there an alternative route where the bus is a little quicker and whatever and it's immediate and i think it's a, a perfect example of of that idea if you build it they'll come so once we released it sure enough the app started to get developed so all of that a long way of saying is that you know i don't know the cosmos just sort of opened up around 2009 2010 where people started to to dabble and then they really saw some effect and uh now i think we're looking at sort of more concrete things where they're we're probably going to move into the governance and uh the liaison between the different levels of government municipal provincial and federal so we've got a long way to go but All of that past is is enabling now this conversation that will sort of lock down in a positive way standards and various other things that we need to see happen to to really burst it wide open.
0: Mm. So do you also see part of that journey, given given that you're, you are now five years in and, and that you have you know data out there and apps are being developed and so on, um, one of the areas that seems to, to me to be emerging um, but not really being adopted um, widely at the moment is this issue of doing interpretation of the data, so not just sort of flowing it through into an app for a, for a service point of view. That, that seems to make sense to most people. Are you looking at doing... Um, you mentioned kind of dashboards and and, and the non-technical, more um, you know, governance or policy-related uh, insights that come from from data like this. Are you thinking that the, the city may get involved in doing some interpretation, or do you see that as being mainly, you know, say, journalists or, or citizens doing their interpretations, or maybe a bit of both?
1: Yeah, actually, I think it's all of that. Uh, it, it was no... Um strangeness to the city to release information, how do, we, how do we stack up against other cities, and so on. And that, that appeared on web pages still does. And somewhere along the line here, since 2009, the conversation has definitely enlarged, where uh, what if we present on those same pages or at least a gateway where people could go in and look at our interpretation and then perhaps go to another gateway and actually get the data that we use to make that interpretation. And we're actually using the analogy of self-service, full-service. So your self-service individual would go into the raw open data site and, and be able to deal with it, just as if you pump your own gas, whereas someone who's a little more reluctant or or a little less savvy uh, would still want the information but wouldn't be sure how to manage it. So they would go into the uh, full-service bay, and they would be presented with some kind of dashboard or tool that they could actually source the raw data but define what it is they're looking for and through checking off boxes and various other things graphs and interpretations can start to emerge and then the final spot there would be our own interpretation so we would still provide the analysis of, of where the city stacks up in relation to um, the activities that we've been involved with so it's really that whole range of things that we see coming and, and are, are actively actually going in that direction Um, Our INT group is actually uh, part of a um, a business intelligence unit, and a a lot of the other cities that we've talked to in Ontario are moving in that same direction. So they're actually putting open data into the business intelligence area, and that brings in all the big data, smart data, how you start using your data to actually make decisions. And I think it will we'll see certainly, I'd say, over the next 18 months or so, a a crystallization of that power, if you like. So we'll be providing, we hope, for staff to be able to use the visualization tools. And whatever we do inside, it would certainly get pushed outside. So if there's a new web presence that offers up some dashboards or the technology, uh, we'd see staff inside using it and st- uh, not staff, of course, but citizens outside also using it. And we think that would satisfy this interest and uh, the ambitions, I think, of those that really want the information but they're not ready to take a course on, on yeah, building a, an app or building a dashboard or a tool, uh, for example. Our experience has been, I think, over the years, too, that uh, it's amazing what the, the the technology people can do. If, if some of the data isn't quite right, they'll say, oh, we'll just scrape it off your PDF. Um, and, you know, th- there's a keenness, I guess, to get involved and do it. So we realize that there's a chunk of people who can sort of manage things differently with the way we're presenting that data right now. But there's an even bigger audience, if you like, who, who, needs, who needs something. Uh, and we're just not sure what that something is yet, but um, there's definitely a lot of tools on the market that we're exploring and, and perhaps uh, offering up some of our own ideas that we present through the web and uh, and people would basically be able to to use it um in the ways that they can use it. So if they're really sharp and technical, great. They've got that raw data. They're good to go. If they're less so, uh, they'll still be able to, to, to pull that raw data into something that gives them something.
0: Mm. So that's a really nice segue uh, to my next question, which is how, from your perspective, how does an open data conversation help start an open government conversation Um quite often we hear those two terms used almost interchangeably, which um, you know, some people would say is a good thing and some people would say is, is a bit of a challenge. Um, and for people who aren't technically minded, I think often open data is seen to be something that is you know, difficult to relate to, perhaps, and I am I was really interested to hear you talking then about you know, bringing the non-technical, bringing you know, general citizens in for a conversation with their government. How do you see open data as, as linking that open government conversation? How do you see them as being different but but helpful for each other?
1: Yeah, I think the key word there is open, of course, <laughs> and it can get it can get you in trouble, obviously, if 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 your interpretation of well, what do we mean by open. I think the word open though is a good word, but when you put it with data, that does suggest a bit of a a more technical thing around it. So we we have found that some people have said, well, open data, I I just don't understand it. But then if we say, well, what about open government? What does that mean to you? That suggests more of the things that we would say are also true from open data, the idea of transparency and and getting access to your information. So I think they both help each other. They certainly don't hurt each other. And in fact, uh, we've positioned very much open data as part of open government. It's a pillar, if you like. And our experience has been that uh, certainly over the past couple of years, Uh, the evidence of an open government usually we can demonstrate well through open data right we are releasing our information and and people are starting to use it so it's almost a a proof of the fact that we believe in open government and here's the kind of things that we're doing I think as the conversation goes forward it will be interesting to see where open data lands if you like because uh, I'd hate to see the baby thrown out with the bathwater. and by that I mean specifically if we're moving toward visualization tools and and uh, celebrating the access and accessibility and engaging and everything else that I, I wouldn't want to see that that raw open data available to the data developers uh, somehow be buried and you can't find mm-hmm. it any longer. I think it's it's going to be an interesting road that we, we, we take but we can see that uh, certainly it involves more people if you start talking open government or even open analysis or open information. The, the word data might be the, the, the sticky point for the bigger masses and it's not as accessible a word I think as things like uh, information um, analysis uh, and even government. The problem with government, though, is I think is there's a lot of cynicism around government and, and lack of trust. So when you hear the word open government, it's a bit of you know, folding the arms and going, yeah, show me. <laughs> <laughs> and that, again, though, is where open data can help. We could say, well, look, we're starting to release data. Look at how this is being used. We're not charging for it. We feel you have already paid for it once. And we have some, some pretty good arguments that, that indicate that we're walking the walk as well as talking it. Um, but uh, the key word, obviously, there is open, and, and however people get to it and get involved, I guess uh, we'd want to leverage. So we've used all those terms that I just said, uh, looking at the audience and having those kind of discussions, and uh, and literally asking people what it means to them uh, to get a bit of a readback on: Are we getting a little too blinders on when we just focused on open data? And I would have to say, yeah, we were. So now that we've heard this sort of other. Avenue. I, I think we've we've picked up on that a little bit. So we're enlarging the conversation, and even the kind of community practices that we're we're setting up with other people in the cities and even through the province. Um, we're we're using both terms. So open data is definitely a part of the open government, and it's seen as as just just one part of it. Um, so open government now is is a more common usage i think than it ever was and i'm just trying to think back open data i believe started first and we went through our policy development and so on and then a little while later there was an open government committee established of which open data essentially reports to uh, within our city mechanics and uh, i think it had to go that way as opposed to the other way you couldn't Mm -hmm. have open government reporting to open data that would be a very interesting situation because it's just (laughs) it's just um the open data part is really the data the 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 stats the the maps you know that whole element of it but it's not so much the uh the the mechanics of of, you know can people actually get out to city hall and and speak and you know Mm -hmm. that side of accessible and engaging government and how do we get them to come out and when councils meeting and those kind of things that's not so much the open data part as the bigger the bigger picture of the full a to a to z of open government
0: yeah So, speaking of widening the conversation, we mentioned earlier on that uh, Richard Pietro, one of the founding members of Citizen Bridge, is riding a motorbike across Canada as part of the Canadian Open Government Tour 2014, visiting some 18 cities and convening local discussion meetings as he goes. Um, You were heavily involved in the launch event in Toronto. Can you give us a bit of a sense of what the discussions and the spirit was like in that event?
1: Well, Richard Pietro has made a lot of friends, and it's no surprise if you meet Richard Pietro, what's not to like, right? He's uh, an engaging guy who I think lives and breathes, in fact, the word open. Um, He often talks about that when you meet him. Um, So he's an accessible, engaging individual to begin with, and we felt right from the get-go, what better spokesperson to kind of uh, present, if you like, a bit of a you know, a campaign marketing strategy, I suppose. And uh, what was so neat or cool, really, was it was entirely his idea. Uh, as he even says in his events, you know, I also wanted to ride around Canada. <laughs> it wasn't exclusively to promote open government or open data, but he obviously combined the two to, the two things that he wanted to do uh, in, in quite an engaging package. So, uh, as he was uh, discussing it and thinking about doing it, it was pretty clear since he lived uh, in the time here in, in the Toronto area that he was going to pilot and, and launch from Toronto. So I was able to attend a couple of his uh, pre-events, if you like, sort of the uh, rehearsals, the off-Broadway. Um, <laughs> and uh, that was really quite interesting because they actually went quite well. Um, and uh, he, I think he found quite quite quickly that, you know, this could actually work. Um, And uh, he did three before doing the City of Toronto launch, which was at our our council chambers, which is just above the council uh, room itself. It's quite a nice little spot. And it certainly has the vibe of, you know, civic government happening. It was, I think, a good place for him to launch. It was well attended. I believe there was 50-plus people, uh, which was about capacity of that space. And uh, the conversations were just amazing. Um, So attending, let's say, I I attended the uh, third of his pilot nights and the launch in Toronto and the difference even between the pilot and the launch in Toronto was considerable. I think everything from Richard's confidence to just the technical side Um, and so I could see that you know this could really happen and I believe in in discussions with Richard he felt it too like he could just see that this is going to work and actually the very next day from the Toronto event is when he did his formal launch from the, uh, the province and a number of us showed up the, uh, the provincial guys, the gang, as I call it, the City of Toronto folks, quite a few of them, plus uh, a lot of the community. Uh, open data ers if you like. There's probably about a good twenty to twenty five of us to to send him off, and uh, we had. A, a, I think he put it on his uh, his blog space the photo of us all around the bike, and uh, uh, we could. We just had this sense. I think that you know this guy is amazing, and he's off to do something big. And how can we continue to promote and uh, and push it? Uh, seeing him leave to Toronto was really interesting because we're really excited to see what happens as he comes back in September in Ottawa, and and um, the closest analogy I think I can make is we had a couple of people in Canada, uh, Terry Fox in particular, quite famous, who, who was going to um, run across Canada. Uh, unfortunately, he wasn't able to make the whole run. But subsequent to that, there was a few other people, Rick Hansen, uh, for example, the Man in Motion Tour. And, you know, all of these, these folks that have started something, initially in the early days, they didn't have hundreds of people following them. Um, but by the end of the time, they did. And I'll be interested to see if if we get any other people as, as Richard bikes into Ottawa, you know, biking with him or bicycling or even running or what might happen. And even if it's not huge numbers, I think we're definitely going to see uh, a bigger bang in Ottawa than we had even in the launch in Toronto, simply because there is a bit of buzz starting to happen. And um, I participated in a couple of his East Coast uh, events through Skype. And uh, listening to what was going on there, I think it was really quite interesting because I I don't know if naively, I kind of thought we were all very in similar positions. It it looks like the East Coast is is still in a bit what I call more the early days where they're actually still in in pilot mode and they haven't made the official decision yet to actually is this going to happen or not. And um, I was a bit surprised. Uh, now, I expect when we see them out west that they're going to be further ahead from, from us folks in Toronto. Um, and people often argue in Canada, too, that you know Toronto says it's the center of the universe. Um, and, and maybe that's true in this sort of a metaphor sense, because we're not as advanced as where they're going to be in the west, such as Edmonton and Vancouver, certainly. Uh, but maybe we're further ahead from where they are on the east coast. So I wouldn't know that, really, had I not sort of been uh, uh, participating, I guess, in in Richard's tour. So even on that level for our own team here in the city of Toronto, um, you know, the the insight has been just amazing, as well as the context that, that I've made through Richard's efforts to these people in different pockets of canada so it won't be really that much of a hop for more communication between us canadian wise and if some of the things you were actually talking about perhaps with more of an international kind of event all these connections and contacts i think are absolutely valuable and i credit richard really for being the guy who's Who's actually inspiring it? He's doing the heart slugging and all the work, and we're kind of just you know, skyping in for an hour at his event in Halifax. Woohoo! It's great. <laughs> but uh, the, the, what we're getting out of it really is, is just amazing, and, and I'm, I'm sure that Richard's also, um, you know, finding it of value that we're participating. But it's really a two way street, and I think it's a perfect example of how a citizen, which Richard is certainly, uh, you know, can engage with government and uh, different levels of government and also different sort of levels of technical folks, such as the community developers who are actually using data. Uh, it re- it's, it's really a perfect package. I can't think of too much else that I'd point to that maybe sort of lives and breathes this idea of a citizen working with government to, to make a better uh, situation for where they live, work and play.
0: Mm. So on a final note, thinking about Richard's tour, but also your own experience over the last five years, what are you most optimistic about, about this open government, open data space?
1: It's interesting, because I, I've been saying to people, I think it's our last chance to get democracy right. Um, it's uh, Was it Winston Churchill that said, you know, of all the systems, democracy is, is the best of the worst, so to speak? It's, it's certainly not perfect. And I think what's missing is people's active participation in, in their own government. So that even comes right down to voting days. Do they, did they come out and vote? And traditionally, we're seeing that not, a, not as many people who could vote do vote. So I think what open data do, can do, though, is provide a lot more information for people to really get a sense of what's going on uh, via their city, via the provincial government, via the federal government, and and start actually um, experiencing it a bit more. Um, and, and I think we just talked about too the fact that it doesn't have to be so technical for you, especially if we if we kind of get there with the the ability to understand what the data is saying without really having to take a course in extreme uh, technical data development of apps and stuff, right? So I think if we can if we can our purpose in the government would be to get the data out, and then the community players, both the advocates and the data developers, et cetera, can start. Um, giving us that information it can start going back and forth and the next thing you know uh people are more involved and more engaged and they'll be able to see the pictures in ways that they never were before and also in ways that their government isn't telling them about so it's easy enough for for um, our city councillors and whoever to sort of say this is the situation but uh, when that can be checked and, and crowdsourced and various other things I think it could easily work where citizens come in and say this is the situation so it can work both ways and I think we're not that far away from being able to demonstrate the value of that and hopefully hopefully that can inspire uh, you know people to vote and, and get way more engaged and that's what I mean by the last sort of hope for democracy so instead of the declining votes Voters, we'd see those numbers start to go up, and, and people starting to use and leverage all of the things that are daily, daily collected by our governments. Uh, it's your information, it's our information. So let's let's make a really good go of it, so that it's um, it's got value and it just doesn't reside on a server somewhere.
0: Well, look, that's about all we've got time for today. Keith, thanks so much for sharing your experience and perspectives with us.
1: Oh, you're very welcome. It was uh, it was a pleasure.
0: I've been speaking with Keith Macdonald, supporting the Canadian Open Government Tour. And there are plenty of ways that people listening can get on board and support Richard's amazing bike tour across Canada for Open Government. You can attend an event, help be a local organiser, and also spread the word via the OGT14 hashtag. So don't forget to check the website for more interviews about Open Government in Canada and around the world, as well as how you can attend or support the Open Government tour. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, bye for now.